Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Ian Smythe, and you are listening to The Politics of Travel. This is actually the first podcast in uh, what will be a series. We're going to talk about uh, the issues of the day, the travel world, the travel industry. As well, we're going to talk about the politics of travel. What does that mean? Well, it means a little bit about uh, the world that we live in post-pandemic. What are the restrictions on people traveling? And uh, what do you need to know before you go? It used to be that you just needed to make sure you packed your passport, your sunscreen, and uh, all of your other things. Well, now there's a whole other list of things you need to concern yourself with. And we're going to get into those in the politics of travel. But for now, on our first episode, what I thought I would do is present to you uh, a year in the life of uh, me working for a travel, me working in the travel industry for a cruise line, and basically a document uh, documenting the the course of the last twelve months. You know, we're a year and more into this pandemic, and uh, I've got a lot to tell you about. So I thought I would prepare a little bit of a journey for you, if you will. Sit back, relax, enjoy the podcast as I sum up a year in my life like no other, because that's what 2020 was, and I intend to retell the journey of 2020. I, I joke, 2020 was the year that no one warned me about. It's true. There were no predictions. I mean, uh, you know, nobody, I, I don't remember reading anyone's uh, psychic predictions uh, talking about a great pandemic coming in 2020. But nobody was correct about it. Uh, I know I wasn't. And uh, yet we had to go through it nonetheless. I will never forget 2020. And it's for all the wrong reasons. So sit back, relax, enjoy this podcast as I take you through my journey and my story of 2020. So the year began 2020 for me like many of the years preceding it. I was dreading the obligatory New Year's Eve plans Nonetheless, we went, and just like the many years before it, the new year came in uneventful, and it was providing no clues as to just how tumultuous things would get. I was like all of you, completely unaware of the tsunami that was merely weeks away from hitting us all and stealing with it everything that was normal up until March 2020. On December 31st, 2019, I was a very happy and content business development director for a cruise line. Norwegian Cruise Line. It was a job that I had held for more than five years, and prior to joining Norwegian Cruise Line in 2015, I had spent the previous seven-plus years working for WestJet Airlines and WestJet Vacations. My journey in the travel industry had started out some 20 years uh, ago, some 20-plus years ago, in the late 1990s. I was a proud and productive, successful, I'd like to consider myself, member of the Canadian travel industry, and I was busy looking forward to the new decade ahead and all that it had in store. A global pandemic, I can assure you, was not what I had in mind. But a global pandemic was indeed what was awaiting all of us. And the first hints of this began to show up on our news feeds and televisions in mid-January. Glimpses of our future, images of streets and public areas being sprayed by people in full protective gear. I began to take interest and wondered what life must be like for the residents of this locked-down city that I had never heard of before, Wuhan, China. Soon we would begin hearing stories of expats pleading with their governments to send rescue planes, as life in Wuhan, China was no longer bearable and they worried about their safety. 
I took a particular interest in one young Canadian family who had a toddler. I began to follow their social media and their campaign to get action from the Canadian government to bring them home. And I would wonder while sitting in the drive-thru waiting for my extra-large two-cream, how awful it must be there. How terrible life must be. What would it be like to be locked down by your own government, I wondered. Little did I know these were just but the few small indicators that something was afoot. Now, as we moved through January and into February, events began to escalate, particularly in the cruise industry, as now we were beginning to see the very first images of an actual cruise ship under government quarantine. The industry was abuzz with people talking about this ship, the Diamond Princess. Guests on board were sending out videos and doing media Zoom interviews from their staterooms, sharing their very own and very personal nightmare of what was unfolding on board the ship. We here in Canada began to sit up and pay attention as guests were calling the travel agents, asking what about their future upcoming cruises and vacation plans. I, along with my industry colleagues, were being inundated with emails and calls. I had many of the Asian accounts for the greater Toronto area, and they were particularly hard hit during this pandemic, or at least the early part of it. Then came the very first direct hit to our industry, when in early February, Norwegian Cruise Line made the decision to ban anyone holding a Chinese passport from sailing on our ships. These guests were being cancelled, money refunded, and in some cases, removed from ships they were currently sailing on. I spent days on the phone talking with these accounts and trying my best to empathize and offer help. But what help could I offer? A nuclear bomb had just been launched and it was aiming directly at the Canadian travel industry and in particular, the cruise industry. Now as each day went by, new developments occurred and they were rapid. Ports all over the world were beginning to shut down and deny entry to cruise ships that had plans and guests on board to dock there. Meanwhile, images of the quarantine Diamond Princess loomed large in everyone's mind. Guests didn't want that to become them, and cruise lines didn't want that to become their ship on the nightly news. This was a PR nightmare, and everybody knew it. I continued on as best I could, still somewhat unaware of just how bad things were going to get. I had planned a middle-of-February trip to New York City to take one of my top accounts on board the Norwegian Bliss. One of my favorite ships, by the way. It was for a quick tour while she was docked in New York in what would soon become the epicenter of COVID in North America, New York City. I met my account at a downtown Manhattan hotel where we went for dinner at Virgil's Barbecue in Times Square. Now, just as an aside, when this thing is all over and we can travel again and the borders open up, if you ever find yourself in New York City, Times Square area, please do yourself a favor. Check out Virgil's Barbecue. It's absolutely fabulous. I remember talking over margaritas and barbecue about the controversial decision to ban Chinese nationals from sailing on Norwegian Cruise Line. We thought it extreme, however controversial. We surmised that they probably would reverse this decision just as soon as things dare I say, settled down a bit. Now, at this point, the margaritas were doing their thing, and the hours went on, and we decided in our minds that this whole coronavirus thing, well, it would blow over. And it was, dare I say, much ado about nothing. <laughs> Little did I actually know. This would be my last time in a hotel for more than a year, and counting. 
My last flight, my last meal in a restaurant being served by a waiter, and my last business trip as an employee of Norwegian Cruise Line. Yes, folks, this was the beginning of the end for me, and I was completely and totally unaware of just how bad things were about to get. Now, once home, my attention turned to my much-loved and best friend of 15 years, Barney. Barney was a schnoodle. He was in the final stages of heart failure, and by late February, it was clear he was suffering and his quality of life had diminished so much that it was cruel to continue to let him suffer. I remember carrying him down in the morning, placing him by the fire. I had made a bed by the fire for him, and there he would remain for the entire day until it was time for him to go back upstairs onto his bed in our bedroom. As much as it pained me, and it did, I had to allow Barney the dignity of letting go in a humane manner. Barney was the best dog I had ever had and known. He was always present in my life for those 15 years and for my family. Loyal and smart, Barney was often described by many as the best dog they had ever met. March 6th was the date we had set for the final goodbye. It was an awful day, yet beautiful, if that makes any sense. I cried. We all cried. And I cried a lot. And I still miss the little guy to this day. So many times I could swear I've seen him around the house, or times I look over and catch myself, only to realize he is gone. Barney died on March the 6th, 2020, one week before the cruise industry went into its slump. That was the day I will also never forget, March 13th, Friday, March 13th, 2020. Now, by this point, it was becoming obvious that something had to give. Too many cases of ships with people falling ill, too many ships currently in the water sailing that were being denied entry to ports that were scheduled stops. Too many cases of the world starting to shut down that it became very obvious that sailing in these times was simply not sustainable. At approximately 4 p.m. on March the 13th, the announcement was made by the governing body of cruise lines internationally that under the advice and recommendation of the CDC, all cruise lines would voluntarily cease operations. I remember exactly where I was when I received the email from my boss advising that this notice was coming. I remember reading the words. There it was. We were closed for sailing, shut down. On that day, we had a few ships that were actually scheduled for departure later that evening. Ships that were, as I was reading the statement, currently checking in guests, welcoming them on board. All these guests were about to find out that their vacation had been cancelled and that they were being asked to gather their belongings and exit the ship. Their crew's vacation had just run aground. The industry all over the world began to wind down, but for how long would this last? That was the question everyone wanted to know the answer to. Six weeks was the reply. The industry would pause operations until April 2020. That would be late April 2020, when at such time we would resume sailing. <laughs> how wrong we were. One thing I will tell you that 2020 has taught me, and I hold this lesson close to this day, and that is whatever you think today the answer is going to be tomorrow or in a month's time from now or two months, 
you're likely wrong. It seems obvious now, but at the time, we all believed that by the end of April, beginning of May, we would be back in the water and life would resume as usual after this whole COVID thing passed. If you had told me at the time that we wouldn't be sailing in April or in May or in June or July or August or any other month in 2020, I wouldn't have believed you. But then top it off by telling me that we wouldn't be sailing in January and February and March and April and May of 2021, I'd probably had said you were crazy. But I was wrong. How wrong all of us were. No one I spoke with predicted this shutdown to this industry would stretch into 2021. Nobody thought it would even threaten sailings by the point we got to in middle of 2021. Yet, this is where we are, some one year and a month on. One year into this nightmare, and no one with any certainty can answer the question everyone is still asking, when will we be able to sail our entire fleet again, just like we did prior to 2020? Now, I have my own thoughts, and we're beginning to see some cruise lines making moves towards opening some sailings and sailing out of foreign ports, and we're going to get into this, and we're going to talk about this industry coming back alive in future podcasts, and I want to just put that as, a, as an aside for now. But let's get back to my journey through this whole sordid 2020. I don't recall what I did that weekend following the announcement. Remember, that came on Friday the 13th. However, I'm sure there were at least a few bottles of Pinot Grigio involved. I do recall the Monday back at work. My emails were a disaster. My voicemails were plentiful. And the updates from head office were immense. By the time the world had digested the global pandemic and the shutdown of airports and borders, we still had ships that were out there sailing with guests on board. I'm thinking of Norwegian Jewel for an example. It was out there somewhere in the South Pacific with guests on board, yet no ports would accept her. No ports would allow Norwegian Jewel to dock and offload her guests. She was running low on supplies and fuel was becoming desperate, and they were getting pretty hard up for any port to accept them. The operations team in Miami were doing everything that they possibly could to get these guests back home safely, but who and what port would accept them? Somehow these folks found a way to arrange a docking in Honolulu, Hawaii because of our relationship with the government in Honolulu and the government in Hawaii, which turned out to be a, a, a real lifesaver. We also arranged charter flights from Honolulu back to Vancouver for the Canadians to make their way home. The headaches and pain points were too numerous to mention, yet they kept coming. Groups that were, be, that were to be booked and paid in full departing in only a few days and weeks were being told that they had to cancel and their money was being refunded. People had plane tickets for trips that just were simply not going to happen. It was an awful time. I believe the word we were all growing tired of hearing, I think still to this day we're growing a little bit tired of hearing it, and that was, this is unprecedented. We moved through March as best we could and adjusted to this new life that we were all leading. In just two short months, I went from wondering what life for people in a city in China I had never heard of before was like, living under government lockdown, to actually living it here in Ontario. Life was changed now for all of us, and we were all living this strange existence of being hunkered down in our homes, hardly going out except maybe for the gro to the grocery store. I went from traveling being uh, out on the road almost every day and every week, constantly, to this abrupt end. I was living in my favorite pair of pajama pants and hoodies. My dry cleaner hasn't seen me in more than a year. 
and my car has sat in the garage more than it has ever done in its entire existence. Life was indeed altered. Zoom calls were now the norm. Phone calls replaced face-to-face meetings. I recalled every day I would tune in to see the latest announcements from both our provincial and federal leaders. The refrain was the same, no matter who was speaking. Stay home, stay home, stay home. In some ways, 13 months on, little has changed in that respect now that I think about it. I quickly grew tired of watching our Prime Minister pop out of his cottage down those steps to deliver his message, take a few questions that he, of course, would never answer directly, only to promptly turn around and disappear behind the cottage door. Government had closed the borders and opened its wallet. Millions of emergency dollars in relief started to flow to Canadians that were desperate for some kind of relief. Canadians abroad were being urged, if not ordered, to return home and do so immediately. This was life now. Everything had changed, and the cruise industry fell quiet. As we moved through March and into April and May, it became clear that we were not going to be sailing anytime soon. And by anytime soon, I meant that we weren't going to hit that original target date of late April. The scuttlebutt now was now talking about October and November. We were having weekly Zoom calls with our leadership. And during this, and during those early days, everyone was assured that their job was safe. They would even go so far as to say, when we begin sailing again, we will need you all to handle the influx of new business and pent-up demand. Then came the day when we began hearing about job losses. Phone calls and text messages were being sent detailing who was being let go. We all breathed a sigh of relief that it wasn't us, but we were nonetheless sad to see our colleagues leaving the company. After one of the more substantial rounds of job losses, we were all summoned to a Zoom call. On it, our leader cried as she recalled how difficult this day was, and she promised us all this was it. We had raised a large amount of capital, and we were prepared to go the long haul as long as it took the duration of the shutdown. Things would improve, we were told. Soon, don't worry, your job was safe. Well, things were not improving, and by mid-June, I was informed that I needed to take a pay cut and a shortened work week. These were tough times, and everyone had to tighten their belt and do their part. I happily agreed. As summer went on, the news for some weeks seemed to get better. Numbers were down and significantly. Talk had increased of sailing again in the fall, and we might even be able to save that all-important Christmas season. I was keeping in touch with my accounts, and by this time we had all gotten into the groove of holding Zoom meetings with accounts along with training and regular updates. We were all doing everything we could to try and stay connected, positive, and relevant to each other. Now, summer gave way, as it always does, to Labor Day weekend. In my line of work, the Labor Day weekend was the usual kickoff to the all-important fall booking period. This is when the industry truly comes alive with events and trade shows, conferences, ship tours, marketing meetings, and a flurry of promotional activities all designed to capture as much of the peak booking season as possible. But this was 2020, and none of what I had been accustomed to for the past 20 years was going to happen this year. No way. Not with COVID wrecking havoc. Some events went all virtual, trade shows that would normally be in-person gatherings for the travel industry's who's who. They were now all online. It was all a bit strange. However, the context in the past six months, it was more than par for the course. I continued to remain hopeful and upbeat. After all, the the alternative was not much better. This was not always easy, however, I reminded myself. It could be worse. 
I could be out of a job. We had not sailed a paying guest since March 13th, and the prospects of when we would sail again? That was anyone's guess. Rumblings of maybe a few select sailings in November might happen quickly faded as case numbers for COVID began to spike towards the end of September, and the talk was that a second wave was imminent. Indeed, a second wave was coming, and we would not sail in November or December or January or even February, but I'm getting ahead of myself. However, I still had to negotiate my way through the fall months and continue to do the best that I could to be relevant in the minds of my accounts. I set about planning marketing meetings and webinars on groups, along with regular weekly newsletters to my territory. Change was on the agenda and had been for some time now, and we were all getting used to the virtual world and, more importantly, working for a cruise line that didn't actually sail any guests. Oh, we had the ships the brochures, the Broadway shows, the restaurants, etc. And by the way, I do plan on getting into some of my experiences on board the ships in future podcasts as well. So that's hopefully something that you can look forward to. But for now, this was life, and it didn't look like much was going to change anytime soon. Little did I know there was still one more shoe to drop. I recall late on the afternoon of September 30th, while on a Zoom call with my team, I received a meeting invite from my former boss and Director of Sales for Canada, now the new VP of Sales for North America, for a call tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. to discuss the subject line read in the email, relaunching a strategy for one of my new accounts. This made total sense to me as I was managing this account, and he did say that when we got closer to sailing again, we would have to have a meeting to review. I happily accepted the meeting and carried on my life and my day as it were. Little did I know that this would be my last full day as an employee of Norwegian Cruise Line. In only a few short hours, I was about to become a casualty of the pandemic. The one thing that I had feared the most, being put out in the middle of the worst disaster our industry has ever faced. October the 1st was a bright and warm day, as I recall. It started with the usual routine of waking up and letting the dog out. Oh, by the way, we got a new dog, Millie. She's a schnauzer and a wonderful, probably the brightest thing to come out of 2020. So I would get up, I'd let Millie out, make some coffee, took my son to school, stopped off for gas uh, on the way home, back to the home office. Closer to 10 a.m., I started to get ready for my call with my boss. I opened my book, dated it October 1st, Thursday, put in the header, meeting to review SW account. At about 9.58 a.m., I clicked on my team's program and called my boss. Now, my first hint that this was not going to go as planned was when my boss declined my request for video cameras to go on. This was the format and the normal protocol at Norwegian whenever you had a Zoom or team meeting was always to have your camera on. There was a rumor that a VP had scolded someone who had been in a Zoom meeting with their camera off. I guess the equivalent in real life would be being in a meeting and having your face covered or putting it down on the table. Anyway, undeterred and thinking I did something wrong, I tried again to put my camera on. Again, this was declined by the host of the meeting, my boss. Now the meeting began with the scripted niceties that we've become used to. He asked how the dog Millie was doing and adjusting to the new life. I believe I recalled a quick or funny cute story about her. I think he laughed and then the words came that nobody wants to hear. 
well, Ian, this is not going to be an easy call for me. He carried on about how he had also wanted to introduce somebody else who was joining us, Susie from head office, human resources to be exact. She came on and said, hello, Ian, or at least I think she did, because at this point I was in complete shock and panic had overtaken me. I picked up my laptop from my desk, frantically began moving towards my wife's office, who was at the opposite end of our basement, opened her door and started screaming the words, no, 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 I'm being let go. And I did not intend for that to rhyme, by the way. At this point, her face went white. She was on a call and had to make up an excuse to quickly end that call. Now, Susie from HR was now speaking about the arrangements. My boss said how difficult this was for him and yada, yada, yada. Nothing was really registering with me at this point, and my ears were ringing. I wasn't sure what I was doing. I was now standing somewhere near the deep chest freezer that we had. My wife was sort of holding me up. I was in a state of shock. Everything was a blur, and I was numb. Now, the call probably lasted no more than six minutes. They said goodbye, and that I could expect an email with the details of my offer, and that was it. That was it. My five and a half years in the cruise industry had suddenly come to an abrupt and sudden end. I was done. Everything that I had worked on, all the relationships that I had built, all the late nights, the weekend events, time away from my family and home, all of it for naught. It was all over, and I was left standing embracing my wife and wondering, how was I going to look after my family? It was, after all, a pandemic. Next came the calls to my parents, my wife's family, and former colleagues. The same things were being said, and they were all very kind and supportive. People saw that I was a victim. My industry had been ground to a halt, and little sign of it coming back to life could be found. Now, the following weeks were awful. I felt lost, and panic and anxiety seemed to rule my days. I remember signing up for every job board I could find. I was, I was worried. Now, October for our family is filled with birthdays and, of course, Thanksgiving. All of these events happened as normal, or at least as normal as they could happen amidst a pandemic and me having lost my job. We were nonetheless very grateful, grateful for everything that we had and, more importantly, that everybody was healthy. As we eased into November and the reality of my non-working life began to take hold, I had come to accept my fate and settled my affairs with my former employer. Now I was left with that wonderful question that everybody loves, what's next? What do I do now? I had been working in this industry nonstop for some 23 or more years, and yet the industry that I had come to love and make my living from was being devastated by this virus. I did all the things one should do in this situation, including reaching out to my contacts. I was staying in touch with people. They were informing me on events. I was trying to keep my, what do they say, finger on the pulse of the industry. I started to apply for jobs, random jobs, even jobs outside of my field that I was used to. I had a few interviews here and there and some funny stories, I must admit, but nothing really turned up. The industry was depressed and we needed a turnaround. 2020 was now here, and I think like most people, we were thrilled to see the back of 2020 and a feeling of optimism of the, about the new year. How could it be any worse than the previous, I asked myself. <laughs> Don't tempt fate, especially when it's concerning this COVID virus. 
Cases were spiking everywhere. Lockdowns were once again upon us. And even though we had a vaccine, multiple, in fact, the virus was on a rampage like it had never been before. This is where I will often say you couldn't make this shit up. The federal government began to announce draconian-like travel restrictions. Restrictions that, if announced 10 months earlier, might have made sense. It was announced that Canadians and any international arrivals into Canada would be forced to stay in a government-sanctioned hotel for three days at their own expense until their COVID test came back negative. Now, this was on top of an announcement that was made on the 31st of December that stated beginning in early January, anyone traveling to Canada would have to produce a negative COVID test before boarding your flight to Canada. The restrictions and a path back for the travel industry had just been slammed shut. This was a case of two steps forward, three steps back. Any hope that 2020 would be kinder and gentler to this industry, they were quickly dashed and travel once again fell off a cliff. The rolling closure of the U.S.-Canada border was continuing, and as we talk now today, it's all the way through until the middle of May at least with no sign of that border opening. Travel is becoming more difficult, if not impossible, and that is exactly where these measures were intended to do. No longer could you book a last-minute trip to the DR or get on a flight to head over to the UK to visit your cousins or see a show in London. Now you needed time to learn about the f- and follow the protocols of travel. What do you require to enter a country? What are the restrictions once you land? What about returning to Canada? The prospects of the industry slowly beginning a comeback were all but dead in the water and would likely remain that way for months. Now, cruise lines as well were becoming frustrated with this continuing closure as their survival was somewhat in peril. While some cruises were operating in select regions of the world with some success, this was in no way a path back. The CDC was not interested in discussing with the major cruise lines how they could restart, even though they had all spent considerable time and effort on their back-to-water plans. These included upgrading air filtration systems on board the ships, requirements of vaccinations for all crew members and guests, reduced sailing capacity of guests, as well as ending the self-serve aspect of cruising. Gone for now are the self-service buffets, or you know, you know that favorite ice cream bar that you like to go to at 2 o'clock in the morning? Closed. Gone as well would be the non-escorted shore excursions. Now, if guests want to venture offshore, well, they're going to have to be part of a cruise line sanctioned and organized tour. This was not going to look like anything that came before. Cruising was changed and for the foreseeable future. At this point, some cruise lines are beginning to announce sailings for June and July, such as Norwegian Cruise Line, as well as Royal Caribbean, out of ports in the Caribbean, including Ocho Rios, Dominican Republic, and some parts of Europe. Now, all of this, I believe, is being done in an effort to get the attention of the CDC and hopefully force them to sit down with the cruise lines and negotiate a safe return to sailings out of the USA. That's what everybody wants, and that's what we need. My industry has changed, folks, and it looks nothing like it did for the past 20 years to me and to all of my friends that work in it. It has been devastating to all of us as well. Whether they owned a travel agency in Canada or the United States or worked for an airline, 
a tour operator, a hotel, restaurants, all of them have been so particularly hard hit by this pandemic. I hope in this podcast to bring you their stories, as well tell the story of this industry's comeback and the long road ahead that we have. As well, of course, we need to talk about the politics of travel. What are governments doing to help the industry? And how are government decisions impacting the travel-loving consumer? What are the restrictions that are going to be put upon you for your future travel plans? How can we safely navigate a return to some semblance of normality when it comes to our travel habits? Politics and travel via the coronavirus called COVID-19 have brought these two worlds together and changed ours for the time being. The despair that is being felt by many will inevitably begin to subside and things will improve. Until such time, you have me and the politics of travel to help. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. I look forward to bringing you more. In the meantime, I would love to hear from you. Please send me your comments, your feedback, suggestions. You can email me at thepoliticsoftravel at gmail.com. That's thepoliticsoftravel at gmail.com. For The Politics of Travel and my first podcast, I want to thank you for listening. My name is Ian Smythe. Stay safe and stay healthy.